We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. Make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, youtube.com slash LakersNation. And of course, the podcast feed over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. We've got a lot to talk about today. We are getting deeper into the offseason now. Of course, the Lakers, unfortunately, eliminated from the postseason, but I want to look a little bit at some of the numbers behind D'Angelo Russell and what that might actually look like in terms of whether or not the Lakers should keep him because there's some conflicting reports about that. I want to talk a little bit about Max Christie as well. Going to get into some fan questions and comments. Um, not intending on this being a full like hour-long show or anything, but of course, once we get going into Lakers basketball, you never really know for sure. So let's dive right into it. And let's start with Max Christie. Pretty simple story here that uh, Max Christie uh, at exit interviews admitted that, yes, he is going to play in summer league, said he does intend to do that. I put out there on Twitter that I'm getting all the stock I can. Or maybe it was on my Instagram story. Anyway, all the stock I can in Max Christie. I think the more I look at this roster moving forward and I look at the free agent options that are out there, the more I think that there could very well be a real opportunity for Max Christie to be a rotation player next season. Now, it's going to be on him. If that door is open for him, it's going to be on him to walk through. He's going to have to improve. He's going to have to get better in order to take advantage of that opportunity. But there's already so much there to like about Max Christie. I mean, look, when the Lakers made the move they did in last year's draft to go get him, clearly they saw a certain skill set, a 3-and-D-style skill set. I thought defensively this season we already saw some really good things in fact you could make the argument that he was one of the Lakers better perimeter defenders despite being a very young player didn't get a lot of minutes didn't get a lot of opportunities but he also has a very very nice shooting stroke that makes you think that that shot is going to be there for for him from here on out that he's going to have the ability to knock in shots from behind the arc and so with his defensive capabilities he's got good size his ability to shoot the ball I think he could be a really interesting piece moving forward for the Lakers. And he's still on that super team-friendly contract next season. Unfortunately, they didn't sign him to a three-year deal. In fact, the NBA, the, the new CBA even changed the rules, something that is being affectionately called the Rob Palenka rule, where teams are now going to be given an extra exception in which to sign undrafted and second-round picks 
to three or four year contracts. Um, other teams were doing it. The Lakers were not. The Lakers were not. What you had to do in the past was save some of your mid-level exception or your taxpayer mid-level and use that to give extra years to these second-round picks, these undrafted guys, and the Lakers just refused to do it. And that's why now they're going to have to pay Austin Reeves this summer. They had to pay Taylor Horton Tucker a summer early. Uh, same thing's going to be true with Max Christie in the summer of 2024. But nonetheless, the Lakers have him on a very cheap deal for next year. And I think he's going to be a really interesting prospect. He's somebody, look, whoever the Lakers take, if they don't trade their 17th overall pick, that player is going to get a lot of buzz. And perhaps rightfully so. I think this is, the more I look at the draft, the more I think it's a pretty deep draft. There could be some really interesting players for the Lakers to take at 17, who could wind up being contributors um, in the very near future. However, when I head out to Las Vegas for Summer League, I think Max Christie is the guy more than anybody else that I can't wait to see. Well, okay, maybe Cole Swider, see if he can put on a shooting display like he did at last year's Summer League. But Max Christie is going to be a really interesting player to keep an eye on for his development. He could be such a tremendous fit, particularly on a team with LeBron James. Fingers crossed he doesn't retire and Anthony Davis, I think Max could really get some opportunities. And the more I look at the numbers, the more I look at the math, the more I look at what's out there on the market, the more I think there could very well be a real opportunity for Max Christie on the wing this next season. I'm not saying he's a starter. I'm not saying he's going to take over and become this, um, this key cog for the Lakers or anything like that just yet. I think that's going too far for a very young player. But I think the opportunity may very well be there for him to earn rotation minutes on a night-to-night -night basis where he's somebody that you see out there on the court. I think he could be a very good fit. So a lot of it's going to come down to Max. What kind of development do we see from him this summer? What does he look like coming into training camp next year? But things are lining up well, I think, for Max Christie to get an opportunity, and then it's on him to take advantage of it. But again, Max Christie is going to play in Summer League. By the way, before I move on, let me just throw in a, a cheap plug for Summer League. Uh, you hear me say it all the time, but Summer League is phenomenal. It is one of the highlights of the year uh, for me every year. Part of that is we usually have our entire Lakers Nation staff, um, our entire companies, which actually includes some other properties beyond just Lakers Nation, but uh, we all go out to Summer League and we treat it as our yearly staff retreat uh, of sorts. And so that's part of it, too, getting to, getting to see everybody in one place at the same time. It, it, it's That in and of itself is a blast. But the event of Summer League is absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. You buy a ticket to, to, uh, to the day, and you can watch all the games all day. You just hang out all day and watch all the games if you want. It's like Comic-Con for the NBA. If you haven't been, I would highly recommend going. I can already tell you this. Right now, I'm working on Summer League plans. I'm working on some fun stuff for Lakers fans to do. I'm working on some time for, for Lakers Nation to get together. I'm also working on something that uh, may allow some of you to actually come into the studio and sit in with us on a show, to join us on, on, on a panel. So I'm working on a lot. So again, if you have not gone to Summer League just yet, I would highly recommend going. And if you usually go, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know how amazing Summer League is every single year, and I would highly recommend that you come out and keep it tuned right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel slash podcast feed because we're going to have details on some fun stuff that we're going to have planned for Summer League in Las Vegas. All right, let's talk a little bit about D'Angelo Russell. 
So should the Lakers bring D'Angelo Russell back? And this is a, a topic that we've gotten into quite a bit. And in general, the answer from me has been yes. Yes, you bring him back. <clears throat> I've been saying even if you don't like D'Angelo Russell, you probably still want to bring him back just because you're not going to be able to replace him. If anything, you could at least use him as salary filler in a trade after December 15th when he would become trade eligible. You could put him into a deal that if he just walks away, you probably don't gain any real cap space from that. And that's true unless the Lakers do some drastic things. There is a scenario where the Lakers could actually let D'Angelo Russell walk away and be a cap space team. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to have a lot of money to spend, and that doesn't mean that they can get a player that's better than D'Angelo Russell with that cap space, which I don't think is correct. I don't think that they will be able to do that. It's debatable, but I think that bringing back D'Lo is still the best move for them. But I do want to get into this a little bit because Chris Haynes added a little bit of doubt on uh, on his podcast with Mark Stein recently saying that he doesn't think the Lakers bring back D'Angelo Russell. And that got the wheels turning for me. Got me thinking about what, what do you do? What does that roster build look like if you don't bring back D'Lo? Again, I still landed at, I think the best case scenario for the Lakers is to bring him back. But I do think worst case, if let's say D'Lo's demands in terms of his next contract are crazy. Let's say he wants $30 million again next year, which is what he got this year. I don't think the Lakers should give him that. And if that's what he wants or he's walking, I think there's a decent alternative here where the Lakers can say, okay, well, if that's the case, rather than give you a what we would see as a bad contract, we'll let you walk away. And we've got other options that we can turn. We've got a different direction. We can go with this. So I think this is important for the Lakers because there are non-D'Angelo Russell options here that I think are viable, that I think could be a viable path for the Lakers moving forward. So let me take a look at this. Let me show you guys what I'm talking about. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, uh, I'm going to put it up on the screen. If you are uh, listening to the podcast version, I'll explain what I'm looking at here. So I'm looking at the Lakers salaries for next year. And I'm thinking of this through the lens of if D'Angelo Russell is gone. LeBron James, I'm assuming he's back. He's going to make about $47 million. Anthony Davis is going to make about 40. I've got Jared Vanderbilt on the books. You're not letting him go, even though he has a very small amount guaranteed on his deal, but he's less than $5 million for next season. You're not letting him go. Max Christie, $1.7 million. You're not letting him go at that price. Austin Reeves, this is the key. This is the key. So in terms of what the Lakers can actually do, should D'Angelo Russell walk away, you need Austin Reeves on his low cap hold, which right now is going to be about $2.2 million. Now, that's obviously going to go up. He's not going to make $2.2 million next year. Uh, in fact, he's going to get twelve. right? That's, that's what he's going to start at next year. Whether the Lakers give him the full four-year, 50-plus million, 53-ish million dollar deal, or another team gives him an offer and the Lakers match that offer, because the arena's provision, the first two years of that deal is going to be restricted regardless, um, or it's going to be artificially lowered regardless, and then it would 
spike up. It would spike up. It would be a balloon payment in the final two years of the deal, in year three and year four. It's what we typically call the poison pill. But in any event, Austin Reeves, until he signs that deal, is on a a cap hold of just $2.2 million. $2,190,000. So utilizing that would be really important in this scenario. I also have, if you're looking at the, at the sheet here, I have Rui Hachimura at thir- starting at $13 million. That is about as low as I can imagine the Lakers getting him at. Who knows what the actual numbers could look like um, come free agency when that actually happens. Maybe he's at $18 million and that completely blows up this whole plan. That's certainly possible. The big question marks for the Lakers in terms of how much cap space they're going to have, it's Rui Hachimura, it's D'Angelo Russell. If you want to bring back D'Lo, can you get him for 20? Is that possible? Can you get him for 15? Like, what can you get him at? Or is it 30 or he walks? Then what do you do, right? So where these numbers come in at are going to be extremely important for the Lakers. Then I've got the 17th draft pick will come in about $3 million and then open roster spot charges. This isn't exact, but I've got to write about $7 million or so in open roster spot charges. What is that total to? It's about $119 million. Um, so that's no D'Angelo Russell. And the salary cap is going to be at about $134 million. So that's got you with about $14 million below the salary cap to play with. Now, on top of that, if you are a cap space team, which in this scenario the Lakers would be, Um, you would also get the room exception, which would mean once you used up that $14 million in cap space that you would have, then you would get another $7 million to spend in what, again, is called the room exception. Now, of course, that begs the question, can you get a better player than D'Angelo Russell for $14 million? Probably not. Um, Who are some of the names that are out there? I mean, our old friend Josh Hart, Karis LeVert, Brooke Lopez wouldn't be a bad fit. I mean, I actually like him a lot next to uh, Anthony Davis, but do you get him when he was almost the defensive player of the year? Do you get him at 14 million or so? Maybe. And again, if Rui gets 15 million, suddenly that's 12 million, right? I mean, this is all just guessing right now, just some guesswork here. And then on top of that, you would get that $7 million uh, with the room exception. And you could put together a fairly decent roster. But again, your roster at that point would be LeBron, Anthony Davis, Jared Vanderbilt, Max Christie, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, the 17th draft pick, and then whoever you could add with that $14 million. Maybe it's two players, maybe you split it, whoever you can add with that $7 million room exception, and then you would have veteran minimums the rest of your way. Now, the added benefit to doing that, and again, I don't know that this is a better team though just the numbers line up but is that a better team than what the lakers have right now Eh, probably not depending on who those players are but the other benefit is potentially if you're genie bus you could find yourself with a lakers team that is actually not paying the tax that is actually getting subsidized subsidized by the other teams in the nba because you wouldn't be above the luxury tax you wouldn't be above that 164 million mark so if you did that, or no, 162 million, uh, if you did that, the Lakers would actually get a check from the taxpaying teams in the NBA. And again, that's no D'Angelo Russell. How good is that team really? Probably not quite where they want to go. Does that convince LeBron to come back? Uh, probably not, right? So there's 
a lot to factor in here. But bottom line is that's a non-Delo path where you would suddenly have some room to play with some money to use. Again, are you getting a player better than D'Angelo Russell for that 14-ish million that you could spend? Probably not. And then you have to remember as soon as you spend it and you get above the cap and all that, Austin's number is going to kick in. And that's going to take you up another $10 million. But that also means goodbye Mobamba, who has a non-guaranteed deal for next year. Goodbye Wendy Gabriel. Goodbye Dennis Schroeder. Goodbye Troy Brown. Goodbye Lonnie Walker. You can't keep any of their cap holds on the books, right? Like Lonnie Walker has a cap hold of just over $7 million. You'd have to get rid of that to have that money to spend. You'd have to let go of Schroeder. You let go of all these guys. Um, they're all gone. Uh, Malik Beasley, obviously, $16.5 million uh, play, uh, team option. Gone. Which, when we first saw the Lakers trade for these guys, we were thinking, okay, well, they'll pick up that option on Beasley. Maybe they pick up the option on, or not the option, but they guaranteed Mobamba's contract. That made it look less and less likely that they were going to have cap space. Then Malik Beasley gets removed from the rotation. Mobamba's been hurt. Maybe they don't want to keep Dilo. We'll see. Um, again, there's been some conflicting reports about whether or not they actually do. But suddenly, this path isn't an impossible one. And there's actually another one, though. There's another route that you could take that doesn't involve D'Angelo Russell being on the team. And that's where, rather than let Mobamba walk, rather than let, say, Lonnie Walker walk, as it were, what you could do is you could actually keep those cap holds on the books, act as an above-the-cap team. So you would sit at, let's say you keep Lonnie Walker and Mo Bamba in the example that I'm given. You keep their cap holds on the books. You're sitting at about $137 million. Austin's going to get about $10 million more than his cap hold is. You know that. Um, maybe even you just let go of, of Mo Bamba and you you just factor in Austin's you know extra $10 million that he's going to make over his cap hold. Uh, but you keep Lonnie Walker on the books. In any event, you're at about $137 million. But what that would do is if you didn't have D'Lo, it would potentially put you in the in range to use your full mid-level exception. Not the taxpayer. And the taxpayer is only going to be like $5 million this year. Not the taxpayer. Your full mid-level exception. That's going to be about $12 million. On top of that, Maybe you could even use your biannual exception, which is going to be about $5 million. Well, about $4.5 million. So think about that. In that scenario, let's say Lonnie Walker says, you know what? I'll stick around. The Lakers can give him about $7.8 million. They can give him a deal starting there using his non-bird rights. What if that's enough to keep Lonnie? D'Angelo Russell walks away. Lonnie says, you know what? I'll stay for that price. Give me another year at $7.8 million. You keep him. On the books, Austin's deal adds to the books, or you keep Mobamba and you, you just guarantee that money. Either way, um, and then, then you've got twelve million to go spend in free agency using your full mid-level exception. Then you have another four and a half million on top of that. So again, with the cap space route, and all of this again depends on Rui Hachimura. You would have fourteen million and seven million with the room exception to spend. Going this route, you would get to keep. Lonnie Walker, maybe Mo Bamba, and you would have instead of 14 and 7, you would have 12 and 5 to go spend on the market. Now, again, who are we talking about? Who are you really going to get? Your best case, maybe you're going to get like a Josh Hart. Is that even enough? It might not be. So again, then what's your what's your team? LeBron, AD, 
Jared Vanderbilt, Max, Reeves, Rui, Lonnie Walker, Josh Hart, maybe? Maybe? That's just, just to throw a name out there. Maybe it's Karis LeVert. And then whoever you can get with four and a half million. And then veteran minimums the rest of the way. Again, I think you're better off in terms of building out a competitive roster. Just keeping D'Angelo Russell and going with D'Lo. If you can get his salary to be low enough, maybe you can use the full mid-level instead of the taxpayer. I don't know if you'd have enough room to use the full mid-level and the biannual, but the full mid-level exception, that $12 million, and you can go shopping with that, keep D'Lo and go shopping with that $12 million. I think that's probably the best path. But again, when I'm looking at this, the Lakers could at least have a little bit of leverage in negotiations with D'Angelo Russell. A lot of it depends on Rui. If Rui costs $18 million to keep starting, well, that, that spoils some of this. And certainly how much D'Angelo Russell wants is part of it. But let's say D'Lo wants a crazy amount. It's not impossible for the Lakers to pivot away from him. Now, again, I don't think, I think I, I stand by, you're not going to replace D'Lo if you let him walk away. You're not going to be able to replace him with a player of his caliber. I don't think you're going to be able to do that. I think it's wishful thinking to imagine that you're going to get, say, Josh Hart for that amount or Brooke Lopez for that amount or whatever. But but it is interesting nonetheless, and I think it's something that the Lakers may need to utilize when they're going into negotiations with D'Angelo Russell. And again, look, D'Lo... When I look at, at who he is as a player, I know we're very frustrated with D'Angelo Russell in general because he played so poorly against the Denver Nuggets, but his offensive skill set fits very well with what the Lakers are trying to do, right? What is it you're looking for with LeBron James and Anthony Davis? You want a guy who can shoot the three well. Well, he shot over 40% from deep. I know that didn't happen in, uh, in the Denver series, but overall, he did. Uh, you want a guy who can play on or off the ball check check that box he's comfortable initiating the offense he's comfortable playing off ball and acting as more of a scorer um and, and you want a guy who's fairly multifaceted on that offensive end of the floor and that's again d'angelo russell now defensively yes he leaves you wanting a lot more but on the offensive end i think he's actually a very very good fit for this lakers team so by no means am i trying to say right off d'angelo russell i'm just saying the lakers have options here and that fact could actually prove critical when negotiating a good deal with D'Angelo Russell. They have a fallback. They have a way out if need be. They could go the cap space route or they could become an above the cap team and potentially still use that full taxpayer mid-level to go try to find something or someone to give them some production with D'Angelo Russell going out. Again, bottom line, I still think keeping D'Lo is the best bet here. But if keeping Malik Beasley, keeping Mo Bamba, keeping Lonnie Walker, if these things, Dennis Schroeder, if these things aren't set in stone, if that's not truly the plan, if the Lakers, the young core they're talking about, Rob Palenka was talking about hanging on to, if he's really only talking about Rui and Austin, it does open up some possibilities for the Lakers to play some hardball with D'Angelo Russell. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And that's not all. They offer the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. That means if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they'll send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. Together with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact. So if you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. The Shady Rays Memorial Day sale is live right now. Go to ShadyRays.com, get 35% off all sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. All right, let's get into some fan questions and comments here to wrap things up. Uh, Invisible was talking about the game four said Ham's lineup choices were wrong. Tristan should have played more for defense. AD was awful for three games. LeBron nearly carried the team alone. In the end, Denver proved to be the superior team. I was impressed with what we saw in that short stint from Tristan Thompson. I thought he did a really nice job. Uh, We said all along that it was going to take a lot of other things going wrong for Tristan to get onto the floor. That's exactly what happened. A lot of other things went wrong. A lot of guys that you were hoping would be pretty good for the Lakers uh, were not. They kind of faded away. And next thing you know, there's Tristan Thompson getting minutes for LA. But yes, I I thought for the series, I thought Darvin Ham did a a poor job against the Denver Nuggets. I thought he was great against the Grizzlies. I thought he was great against the Warriors, against Denver. It was not good. He made a number of mistakes and he did it right off the bat, starting with that three-guard lineup. That was just a disaster in game one. Not a good series for Darvin Ham, no question. Uh, legendary. So Trevor, can you please have a serious conversation about Anthony Davis? Yes, I can. Actually, before I get to that, though, I do want to mention this. So we're into the offseason now. Our live shows, obviously, we can't do a post-game show because there's no game to do a show after. Um, So instead of a a post-game show, what we do is we go into a regular schedule for the offseason. And the way it's going to work through most likely mid-July, we're going to do live shows. Uh, I will put out a graphic of the, the schedule uh, that'll be out either uh, Thursday or Friday this week. We'll have that out. But we're going to go live 
Mondays and Wednesdays at 8 o'clock Pacific time in the evening. We're going to go live on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. So if you want to come, you want to ask questions, comments, you want to throw in stuff, talk about free agency, any of the stuff going on with the draft, all of that, we're going to have live shows Monday night and Wednesday night. And then Friday afternoon, we're also going to have a live show. I believe I have that scheduled at 2 o'clock Pacific time. We'll have our fun Friday show, and we'll go live then to kick off the weekend. So there's still going to be three live shows a week of the Lakers Nation podcast for you to jump into, talk with other Lakers fans, talk with us. That's going to be a lot of fun. So again, I will have the official schedule out very, very soon, but just giving everybody a heads up. That's what it's going to be, and we'll get that started. Well, maybe I'll do a fun Friday show this week. That would be a good way to kick things off. Now, as far as Anthony Davis goes, a serious conversation about him. I've been asked about AD on, I've done a bunch of radio shows in the last couple of days, and everybody's wanting to know two things. LeBron James, is he really retiring? And Anthony Davis, what is going on with him? And I think when I look at the AD situation, the Lakers went into this season trying to figure out whether or not AD is a 1A player or not. And there are moments where he looked like it, and there were a lot of moments where he didn't. I will say that we tend to focus, when we think of a 1A superstar, we tend to think of offense. We think of that guy that can get the ball and go on a 10-0 run by themselves where the defense is throwing everything at them to try to stop them, and it doesn't matter because they can't stop them. That's what we think of when we think of a 1A player. But Anthony Davis is that on the defensive end of the floor, and he's very consistent there. He is regularly the best defensive player on the floor that he was the best defensive player of the postseason. He was tremendous there. You're going to get a good defensive performance out of Anthony Davis every single night. The challenge was, as you all know, offensively, Anthony Davis is not consistent. At least he was not this season. There were some games where he blew up and he was fantastic. There were a lot of games where he just kind of disappeared and you didn't really feel his presence on the offensive end. So as far as a serious conversation about Anthony Davis goes, here's where I land. I think that for AD, if the Lakers were trying to figure out, can AD be our 1A guy into the future? If I look at this entire season in its, in its whole, and I think about the injury that Anthony Davis dealt with, him missing that time, and then the disappearing act on the offensive end, while again, admittedly, I'm a big fan of his defensive game, and I think he doesn't get enough credit for that. I think we don't pay enough attention to the defensive side of the floor. We get so mesmerized by offense and defining that as what a true superstar is that Anthony Davis is never going to get as much credit as he should get for the defensive side of the ball. Nonetheless, I think the Lakers' answer to the question of can Anthony Davis be our 1A guy into the future, I think that answer is no. I think that answer is no. With a caveat, with a, with an asterisk here, if you will. I think the answer is no, but I think he can be a 1B guy. I think he can be a co-superstar with somebody, particularly if it's somebody who can score the basketball. So if you can find another, and that's where, you know, I don't think Trey Young is coming to the Lakers. I don't think they have enough assets to get him. But if you can find a way to get sometime for the future, it doesn't have to be this season. But sometime for the future, if you're going to keep AD long-term, you get a guy who's a very talented scorer. That would go a long way towards working, meshing with 
Anthony Davis. Now, there's some rumors that LeBron wants to take a little bit more of a back seat next season, assuming he comes back, doesn't want to have to do a lot of scoring, and that might provide some incentive for the Lakers to go try to get a high-level scorer right now. I think, again, D'Angelo Russell, his ability to score the basketball, I think all this that I'm talking about right now just makes it make even more sense for the Lakers to simply bring him back and then, worst case, you use him as a trade chip uh, after December 15th, assuming you don't do something silly and give him a, uh, a contract that he shouldn't get. So give him a bad contract. So I think that Anthony Davis is not going to be your 1A superstar moving forward post-LeBron. But I think he can be a key piece that you're building around so long as you have somebody who can be that night-in, night-out scoring threat. I'll also say, again, on the D'Angelo Russell front, if LeBron isn't ready to start the season in October for the Lakers, or if LeBron says, you know what, I need some time to rest, how about I start the season in November or December or January, right? You're going to need guys who can score, and D'Lo can do that for you. So again, I, I still think that it makes a lot of sense to bring back D'Angelo Russell Long-term, is AD that 1A guy? I think you need to find somebody who can be that scoring threat with him because I think the answer is no, not in the traditional sense. Anyway, Seabass said, is no one else seeing the amount of arm uh, grabbing and arm contact on that last drive? I did see that. Uh, Jamal Murray got LeBron on that final drive of the game, but I mean, you're not going to... It wasn't as egregious as you know Jason Tatum fouling LeBron at the buzzer. I don't think it was that bad, so it, it didn't shock me that that wasn't called. David said, Hi, Trevor and Lakers Nation. Great job this season. Really enjoyed your shows. Uh, I, thank you, David. I certainly do uh, appreciate that. He said, LeBron is the GOAT. He came to play and left it all on the court. AD needs to find more grit if he is to be the best player on this team. So I agree with all of that. I thought LeBron was fantastic in Game 4. Just incredible stuff. For a guy who's 38 years old to play all but four seconds, of the basketball game. He was exhausted by the end of that and really put on a heck of a performance. Uh, Anthony Davis like, still did good things defensively, but the offensive end is just, it's just not consistent enough for you. Um, the word coming out of the locker room, this was from Chris Haynes was that Anthony Davis essentially sat at his locker for like 45 minutes, just kind of muttering that he couldn't believe it. Um, and that LeBron came over to console him a little bit. I mean, that paints quite a picture, but I don't think it's Anthony Davis just doesn't care. Like people make it out to AD doesn't care. I don't think it's that necessarily. I think part of it is just being a big, it can be a little bit more difficult to get into a rhythm. Uh, you're relying on other players to give you the ball. That said, Nikola Jokic gets the ball and he does great things with it. Joel Embiid gets the ball. He does great things with it. AD just isn't that kind of offensive player. So again, I think what we've learned this season is you need someone else that can put the ball in the basket, maybe multiple other players if you're going to try to build the team around Anthony Davis in the future. Uh, Wardison said, the Lakers need to get a real center in the offseason. AD isn't enough as long as Joker's in the West. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. He's up there in years. But man, wouldn't our old friend Brooke Lopez be a nice fit with the Lakers. Now you could say that about a lot of teams. He'd be a good fit in a lot of places. 
but it still still hurts that the Lakers consciously made the Brooke was saying, I will take less to stay. And the Lakers said, no, thank you. We got JaVale McGee now. Um, still crazy that the Lakers let him go back in the day. But man, he would be a great fit if we're talking about moving Anthony Davis. I, I think that's the key, really. If you're going to move Anthony Davis to power forward, which I've had some people reach out and tell me, Anthony Davis needs to move back to power forward. NAD himself, we know, prefers to play there instead of playing at the five. Well, that's fine, but Anthony Davis's three-point shooting has fallen off a cliff. So if he's not a threat behind the three-point line, that means whoever plays the five has to be. Otherwise, your floor spacing is going to be shot. So Brooke Lopez would check that box. It was part of the appeal of Mobamba, by the way, was that he would have the ability to shoot the three. Brooke Lopez can definitely shoot the three. He does that a ton. And so he'd be a great fit next to Anthony Davis if you could find a way to get him. Again, maybe that's where if you decide you're going to be a cap space team, you could throw 14 million at him. Is that enough? I don't know. Milwaukee might offer more. Maybe they should offer more. He was great this season, but something to consider there. Uh, Ad Coleman said, Davis's inconsistency is getting annoying. Yep, I know. I know it's frustrating, but again, try to focus on the defensive end where I thought Anthony Davis was great all postseason. All right, we'll do a couple more. Secrets said, is it possible to get Kyrie and keep Austin and Rui? So that's getting deeper into the cap math. The answer is yes, but only if Kyrie does something unexpected. And I'm talking about Kyrie says, hey, I'll come play for 10 million bucks, something like that, which isn't going to happen. I don't think he's even leaving Dallas, but is it possible? Uh, again, you'd have to keep Austin's cap hold on the books. Like if you cleared, if you gutted the roster and you just kept Austin's cap hold at 2 million on the books, sure, you could pay Kyrie like 32, 33 million, something like that and build out a roster around LeBron, AD, Austin, Kyrie, and the rest of your team would essentially be better in minimums. You could do that. Uh, a double sign-in trade with D'Angelo Russell, which again, I don't think the Mavs are going to do. It would require their, their participation. You could do that. Could you keep both Austin and Rui? Uh, the problem is you'd start running up against the hard cap. And assuming it's a double sign-in trade, probably Kyrie's going to want his full max. He's going to want that like 45-ish million, at which point you start getting closer and closer to that hard cap. Again, if Kyrie is willing to take a lot less, that changes all the math on this. So I'll just say this. It's unlikely that you could keep both those guys and get Kyrie. But I would also say it's unlikely in general that the Lakers would get Kyrie. It's just, it's tough to make the math work and build out a competitive team. I mean, you saw with the, the numbers I was doing earlier, even without D'Angelo Russell, if you're trying to maximize cap space and all of that, I still don't know that you're building out that competitive of a roster. So that needs to be priority one for the Lakers. It's how competitive is this roster and then figure out the cap maneuvering from there. Jesus, last one we're going to do. This season has been better than last season. Most improved team from last season. There's a lot of questions to be answered, but what is one thing that you want to see this team improve this next season? So Sean talked a bit about finding another big and I'm in agreement with him. On that, I do think they need a true center. Maybe it's Mo Bamba. Maybe they just say, you know what? Mo wasn't healthy. He'll be healthy next season, and we're going to roll with him. Maybe that's the case. Whoever it is, I think they need a true center. I think they need somebody who can back up Anthony Davis, maybe even play alongside AD. But I'll say the thing that I'd be looking for most, it's more help on the wing, particularly help on the wing that can shoot. 
That's always going to be what I'm looking for. If they let D'Lo go, they're going to need another point guard. If they let Schroeder go, they're going to need another point guard. You're going to need help in a lot of places. But finding another player who can be a consistent threat shooting the basketball, I think is going to be critical. They didn't have enough of that, particularly in the postseason. They had guys who on paper are good shooters, but then didn't shoot well. They need guys who they know can knock down shots from behind the arc. That's going to be my key uh, component to this offseason. Can you find players who are not just complete turnstiles defensively and can still knock down three-point shots? Easier said than done, no question. And that's part of why I'm so high on Max Christie because I think he projects to be that kind of player. But that's essentially what the Lakers need to be looking for. All right, everybody. Like I said, it'll be a little bit of a shorter show today, but thank you guys for joining me here. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Ring that notification bell as well. And of course, follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.